Thank you for tuning in to Conroe United Pentecostal Church today. We pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. If there is ever anything we can do for you, please email admin at conroeupc.org. Well, why don't we say praise the Lord? Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. And you can go ahead and be seated. I, uh, I'm always thankful for the opportunity to serve. And to me, um, standing here is not, um, I don't do it for fame. I don't do it for fortune. I do it to serve the Lord, and I do it to serve my pastor, and I do it to serve the people of this great church. Amen. We do, um, I do miss the pastor when he's out of town. Amen. And there's just something different about church when Brother and Sister Smith are not here, Brother and Sister Brother Trent, Sister Kayla are not here. When they're not here, it's something different. Amen. But I'm thankful tonight for the privilege and the opportunity to talk to you tonight and share something that I believe that the Lord has put in my heart. And I, um, as we were singing that song, I was thinking about the Lord prepare me uh, to be a sanctuary. Uh, years ago, we... Um, attended Eastview uh, United Pentecostal Church in uh, Lufkin, and there was a little elder there in the in the church, and at that time, she was old, probably 90 years old, but her, uh, I believe it was either her grandson or nephew was involved in the music there, and she asked them, why do we sing that song? She says, I don't like that song, and um and, and, and the nephew or, or grandson said, well, I think it was a grandson, said, well, why? Why, do, why don't you like that song? She, she said, I don't like singing that song about saints in, in worry. I don't like singing it. She misunderstood being a sanctuary as she thought we were singing being a saint in worry. Amen. And we don't want to be a saint in worry. God does not want us to worry. Amen. He wants to put us to put our trust, our trust in him. Amen. God bless you tonight. And, uh, but, uh, back in uh, July, I believe it was, I, uh, I, it seems like that, uh, there was just a, some technical difficulties that were going on in my life as it seems like nearly every day that we, we do, uh, have technical difficulties being human. My, my grandmother used to tell me when I was just a young man in my teens, she'd say, Kevin, she said, a man's days are few and full of trouble. And uh, I believe that. Amen. We, uh, and that, that doesn't mean just men, as in the male, but us, mankind, we're going to go through things, and we're going to have to deal with problems, and we're going to have to deal with stress. Some of it we bring on ourselves. Uh, sometimes the Lord chooses to teach us a, a valuable lesson, and he he allows things to happen in our lives that that uh, that make us miserable and make us uh, think and uh, it, it, things that change us. And I, I believe that God always does these things to to help us and to strengthen us and to teach us and to um, add value to our lives. And uh, but nevertheless, it's not any less miserable, regardless of what we're dealing with. Amen. And during this time, I was just, uh, I pray in my car. I, I, I've, there's been times I've gone in the, 
uh, <laughs> the bathroom at work and and just knelt down there and uh, maybe TMI here, but just said, Lord God, you're going to have to help this situation. You're going to have to fix something here. And and I just, I, it doesn't matter to me. When I need God, I I find a place. I find a place that I can talk to him and pour out my needs before him, whether it's in my car or at work somewhere or uh, in the bathroom or somewhere. Uh, uh, I, I, when I I'd be, uh, be out exercising sometimes at night in uh, the neighborhood next to me there. I've gone through that neighborhood, and I, I've claimed that neighborhood for the kingdom of God. I've, I've done that too. And, and I know some of you uh, can, can, can relate. And, uh, but we always need to know that we can touch God at any time, that we can, we can always, he always has time for us, Sister Ramsey, always has time to listen to our needs and his arm is not too short uh, that he cannot help us, and his ears are not deaf uh, that he cannot hear us, and his, his eyes are not blind that he cannot see us. Amen. He is the Almighty God. Amen. And tonight, I, as I was uh, uh, during that time period, and, uh, you know, I'll just say this, I just felt... Uh, I, I just felt the touch of the Lord. I just felt Him come uh, to me in, in, in a time of prayer and a, a season of prayer. And I, I just began to cry out to the Lord. And I said, God, I don't know what to do anymore. I don't know how to fix this situation. Uh, I don't know how to fix that problem. Uh, I don't know what to do. But God, uh, I'm just asking you just to speak. Just speak the word. Uh, I've run out of answers on the human end of this thing, uh, and I don't know what to do, but God, if you'll just speak. <clears throat> if you'll just speak the word, amen, I know that it will be so. And immediately uh, this scripture I'm fixing to read here tonight, and I, uh, I guess I did a little preaching before I was ready to go there, but uh, found in Matthew chapter 8. And uh, maybe slow down a little bit here and and uh, just do some thinking here. I've got some fancy words for you tonight, so you are going to actually learn a, a Latin phrase tonight. Amen. That's uh, uh, I learned it today. <laughs> Amen. But it's very pertinent to what we're talking about here. And in fact, I, I almost thought I may use this word as my title, but then I thought if... And, I don't think this will happen if God, if someone was looking back and thought, well, Brother Vivio preached on this night or taught on this night, however you want to uh, say that. And he taught on the dictum factum. Lord, what does that mean? Dictum factum. And uh, so I, I actually looked that word up because it was in some reading that I was doing, had been doing, and and uh, dictum factum is a Latin word that means what is said is done. Dictum factum, what is said is done. Amen. Matthew 8 and 5 through 13, it says, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed. Suffering terribly. This is uh, the NIV, of course. Um, then Jesus said to him, Shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. 
but just say the word. Just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed, and he said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, go, dictum factum, go, let it be done just as you have believed that it would. And his servant and it and and his servant was healed at that very moment. Amen. I remember if I recall the the uh, very beginning of of um, the uh, book of Genesis, where we talk about God, uh, begins to talk about God uh, creating the heavens and the earth, and. Uh, and I was reading that, the other scripture that came to me during this time I just mentioned a while ago, uh, with this scripture was that. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. You see, with man, um, saying something and doing something are two different things. We may say something and never carry it out, or we may say something uh, and not be able to carry it out. Uh, but with God, when He speaks, uh, His Word is automatically creative. Amen. When He speaks, uh, things happen. When He speaks to things, things happen. And uh, if it doesn't matter. As we know in the book of Genesis, it says that there was darkness upon the face of the, de- of the deep. The earth was void. There was darkness. Uh, there was nothing there. But God spoke. Uh, when it came time in his plan, God spoke, and it was. And we know that light came first. When God spoke and said, let there be light, there was light. Amen. So when, when we have a need in our lives, we don't have to think uh, in our minds, well, God, uh, when you speak, is something going to happen. Uh, But all we have to do is believe uh, that when God speaks uh, into our lives or speaks uh, to the needed hand, uh, that when he speaks, uh, it has to happen. There, there, there's no choice there. Uh, whatever he speaks to, uh, it has to change uh, however he uh, wants it to change. It doesn't have a choice. Amen. That's why we need him on our side. Uh, that's why that we need him in our lives. And, and no, he's not a Santa Claus. And, and no, he's not there for our personal use uh, as a caddy or, or something like that. He's not there uh, uh, as our personal assistant. Uh, but he is our creator. Uh, and he is our savior. Uh, and he wants our lives uh, uh, to be lived uh, uh, with, with a po- on a positive note. Uh, he wants there to be creation uh, going on in our lives. Uh, he wants to there to be change uh, in our lives. Uh, he wants there to be victory uh, in our lives. Uh, he's not a static God. Uh, he's a living God. 
Amen tonight. And I, I know I've come to you with a very, very simple, a very simple idea tonight. But this, this, this centurion, this centurion, uh, he was a man over other people. He had authority over, over other uh, soldiers. Uh, and, and, and number one, there you have the Roman government uh, that has inserted themselves. They have conquered uh, 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 large parts of the world, uh, and they have inserted themselves uh, into the lives and into the cultures of people that did not always welcome them. And they were there, they had set up their authority, and they had set up their uh, their regime uh, in these countries. So there was already uh, an antagonism there. Uh, and, and there came this soldier. There came this man of authority. He was used to giving authority, and he was used to taking authority. He was, uh, uh, orders rather, uh, he was used to telling people to go, uh, and they went. Uh, and he was used to telling people to come, and they came. Uh, and whenever he put an order uh, in the mind or in the hands uh, of his subordinates, uh, he didn't think about it anymore. Uh, he expected it to be carried out. Uh, dictum factum, what is said is done. Uh, he didn't think about that person, oh, do I need to go follow up on them, uh, Brother Trent, and see if they're doing uh, what I asked them to do. Uh, uh, he, he didn't micromanage uh, uh, his soldiers. Whatever he told them to do, they did what he, he had told them or ordered them to do. Uh, and he did the same um, with his superiors. But he came to Jesus and, uh, and you have to ask yourself, you have to do a little analysis here, and, and, and you may have to do a little, little bit of your imagination go, uh, and I'm not in any way inferring that we, we should add or take away from the Word of God or we should infer anything here, uh, but, but it makes you wonder, it made me wonder, uh, where in the world did he come up with the idea, amen, to come to Jesus for help? Where in the, where in the world... Did he think about this? But somehow, Jesus and his exploits had been, been well known in that area. And all throughout the area that he ministered. And, and word had gotten around that there was a man named Jesus. And, and this man, this, this centurion, he recognized Jesus as a, as a, a spiritual authority, if you will, maybe not in those terms, uh, but in his mind, he recognized that this man had, was divine in nature. He recognized the divinity of God in this man. He may not have had the full revelation that this was the God, the Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us, uh, uh, the incarnate God. He may not have had that revelation, uh, but he recognized uh, that there was a spiritual authority, and he recognized that there was uh, in this man called Jesus uh, something that had all power, uh, that he could speak things and uh, things change, and he could, he could heal the sick. Uh, he could raise the dead. Uh, he could turn the water into wine. I'm not saying he, he knew all that, but I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to say tonight to give us a little bit uh, uh, of relativity here uh, is that he recognized that there was an authority that was beyond his authority and beyond his superior's authority, beyond, be, if you will, beyond human authority. There was ability there uh, that he recognized uh, in, in Jesus uh, somehow through revelation maybe uh, that there was something about this man uh, that was more 
than just the ordinary prophet or ordinary religious leader uh, that, that he had known before. And so he, he comes to Jesus and uh, asking for help. The, the New King James Version says beseeching him for help, asking for help. Uh, he, he comes humbly asking for help. A man uh, in this position normally... He would be probably a man of authority, I mean a man of a little bit of a piety, a little bit of uh, arrogance maybe, if you will, and a man that demanded and commanded the respect of people. And sometimes uh, with position, some people let it go to their head and, uh, and they carry an arrogance about them with it. Uh, but he certainly didn't do this. If you look back in time and uh, you, you see uh, Nahum, uh, Naaman, rather, uh, he was a centurion also in the, the Old Testament. He he had uh, uh, he got uh, he he he'd gotten Paul, um, um, leprosy, and he came to Elijah, and he came demanding. There was a little arrogance there, but this man did not come with that. He came humbly to Jesus, and. And, and, and he, he, when he came to him, he came respectfully to him. And he said, Lord, that's, that's respect right there. That, that he's recognized authority there. He, he didn't come saying, hey, you. He called him Lord. He, he called him Mr. Brother. He, he came with authority, uh, uh, recognizing the authority of Jesus. Lord, my servant lies at home. He's paralyzed. He's paralyzed and he's suffering terribly. And I, I, as I did a little further search on there, uh, I, I looked at another new, new word, another new terminology. And um, from what I could understand, uh, this servant was suffering from something called paralysis scarbutica or scarbutica. We need a medical authority here to help me pronounce these words. Uh, but it, it's a medical term, and I had to search through all. I, it was so ambiguous, I had to search. Uh, I had to Google so many different things. I looked at all these archaic dictionaries, and I couldn't find a good, di- uh, you know, I love, um, I love the, the ability to go to Google and, and find things. Amen. And how many of you can say amen to that? I don't know. How, how many times do you Google things in a day? When somebody's name pops up in the news, how, when you want to see how they are, you want to see when they were born, who they've been married to, what their background is, you, you want to see all that. You want to know what's going on here. And so I, I, I searched this term out, and it was difficult. It even took me to this manuscript. I couldn't even get it to, to open up all the way, and it was all this ar- archaic terminology here. But according to uh, the, the, my studies here, it was a medical term that was used to describe a post-convulsive paralysis. Now, I wrote all that down. In other post means uh, something that comes after. But a post-convulsive paralysis or paralysis that followed an intense, intense seizure, seizures that where there were spasm and cramps and probably vomiting and all that kind of... If, if you've known anybody that has gone through seizures, and you know there are different levels of seizures. There are different types of seizures that plague uh, some individuals. But this, this individual had suffered violent, from this violent illness that had come up on, upon him for some reason. And, and it had caused great concern with this centurion. 
And he said, Lord, I, I have this servant, and he's suffering terribly. And Jesus, without equivocation, I mean, Jesus didn't wait for a long explanation. He interrupted the man and said, shall I come and heal him? You know, most of us, um, those of us that visit individuals that are sick or trouble, we, we can go and we can offer prayer and we can sit and talk. And I, I've gone by to see Brother Wilmoth, and, and when I pray with him at, at the end of the visit, and I think they do me more good than I do them, but they're fun to, to sit in and talk with and, and all that. But the other night, the other day, I went to see him, and just that the night before we had prayed for Brother Wilmoth, and Brother Trent said, let's... Uh, Let's pray for his muscle, muscular system, and let's pray for his nervous system. And so that next day, I just went and prayed, and I visited with him rather for an hour and a half or two. And, and at the end, I said, well, I guess I need to go. And I, I just put my arm around him, and I, uh, Brother Wilmoth, and just prayed. And I just prayed a simple prayer, but I, I'm limited. We're limited in what we can do or say. Yes, it's great to go and pray for people. Yes, it's great for us to go visit, and it brings a, a warmth, and it brings encouragement and, and hope to individuals, in, an individual's life when a friend or, or someone comes to see them. But we're limited. We're limited in what we can do. And many times in our prayers, we've prayed, God, I, I, I don't know what to do about this situation, Lord. I've got this kid problem, or I've got this financial issue, or I've got a family member that's sick, or I've got children that are lost, or I've got uh, family members that are lost, or this job situation's just not working out the way I want it to, or it needs to be. And we get to the end of our rope, uh, and we don't know what to do. And then that's the very time and the very moment that God wants to step in and do something in our lives. Amen. The centurion replied, Lord, you know, I, I don't really deserve to have you come under my roof, but if you will just say the word, if you will just speak to my problem and speak to my issue, I know that my servant will be healed. I know that, God, you don't have to be present you don't have to be in the room. You don't have to come and touch him. You don't have to do any of that because I believe that if you will just speak the word that my servant, my servant will be healed. Amen. He went on to say, I'm, I'm a man under authority. There's soldiers under me, and, and I tell them to come and go, and they do exactly what I tell them to go, do, uh, and they do it. Uh, and, Lord, I'm just all I'm asking you today uh, is if you would just speak to the need uh, in my life. Speak to that situation. Uh, God, I know, uh, Lord, without a doubt, uh, that you, oh, Lord, when you speak to the need in my life, uh, that that will be taken care of. Amen. Jesus went on and he said, you know what? Uh, I've not seen so great a faith in Israel. I've not seen so great a faith. And, and uh, it brings to mind the little lady that gave uh, all that she had in the offering that day. And many had come and, and dumped their quantities of offerings in there. And yes, the more is, more is better in a lot of sense. Uh, more is better. Uh, it helps more, more money. Uh, 
pays for more things. It takes care of more things. Uh, but what Jesus was talking about in that sense was uh, is that she gave of the entire bit. Uh, she opened up her little purse and all uh, that was in there, uh, she pulled it out and gave. Uh, and that was, an, uh, that was uh, an exercise of faith. Uh, but this man, this man was not. Uh, he was not of the household of the Jews. Uh, he was not of the kingdom. Uh, and it really was an indictment uh, for this man to come uh, to Jesus. Uh, there were those, uh, I'm sure, that were following nearby. They were following nearby Jesus, uh, and they were listening to all of this. Uh, and he said to them, uh, this man that has come today, uh, he's not a part uh, of this Jewish kingdom. Uh, amen. And he's not a part uh, uh, of the heritage that, uh, per se, the physical heritage uh, that, that has been. Uh, amen. But he has shown more faith uh, today uh, than anybody else that I have seen in Israel. And that's why uh, Jesus was able to do a great work uh, in that life. You see, he's not looking for, he's not looking for uh, action all, always. And uh, I used to think that, uh, and it is important, it's important that we, we, uh, that we, we act with faith. Amen. Faith without works is dead. A working faith, amen, is important. It's a working faith. I, I, when we come to God and we, we repent of our sins and, and, and we, we show, uh, we show an act of attrition and, and repentance before God, that's important. Uh, that's required of us, uh, amen, to be saved. We have to repent. Uh, we, uh, we're commanded, uh, to physically get in a baptismal tank, uh, and be baptized in, in Jesus' name. Uh, those are acts, uh, of faith. There are people uh, that Jesus healed, that he touched, uh, that he uh, he healed because uh, uh, there's something they did. Uh, it was an act of faith on their part. Uh, amen. But in this case, uh, this man came uh, not with an act of faith so much, uh, but with an act uh, of trusting faith. He came to Jesus, uh, just trusting him. Uh, you don't have to physically come to my home. Amen. And I know sometimes that uh, that that we run out of things to do. You can't ever give enough tithing, and you can't ever give enough offerings to buy your way into a miracle. It is commanded of us that we do that. And, 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 and we remember, remember a prophet uh, told King Saul one time, he said, uh, obedience is better than sacrifice. Uh, but sometimes when us humans, when we reach the end of our rope... And we've done all we can. Amen. How many of you out there, and you don't have to raise your hand, you've got a situation, an issue in your life that you've done everything you can do. You've got children. You've got financial questions. You've got family members. There are people in your life you don't know what to do with. There are answers that you need that you, you can't possibly meet with all the lawyers and all the, the doctors and all the counselors and, and all those situa- all those people. There, there are people who have paid uh, uh, thousands and thousands of dollars to find uh, their cure, to find their solution. But there is no solution uh, and no cure uh, uh, always. Uh, sometimes we have to put our trust and our hope in God completely. In fact, we need to always do that. And I'm not. I'm not saying tonight that. Uh, I'm not saying tonight that uh, we shouldn't go see doctors. 
that we shouldn't go see counselors. Sometimes uh, it's helped. Uh, I've sat down in front of counselors myself uh, uh, several years ago when my my, my my marital status changed. I had to go and and I had to sit down in front of somebody and and I had to just tell them some things and uh, and and they happened to be a Christian counselor and and there's been other times in my life I've had to to talk to professionals uh, about situations in my life uh, but there's never an answer uh, that's good enough that can come from any individual. There's no answer that can come uh, uh, that that will surpass what God can do in your life. Amen. Just recently, I uh, and uh, I don't want to share too much here, but just recently, I had a, a issue with my car. I had uh, a lease the car for three years, and the lease came to an end, and and uh, some things happened, and and I had some problems with my credit, and I had some issues there, and uh, uh, my credit rating kind of suffered. Uh, and and there was a there was a I, I went to my my favorite dealership, good old Gullo, and and uh, I talked to one of my buddies there, uh, and I asked him for some help, and he said just come see me, and and uh, and so I uh, uh, I drove that car, I drove that car, and Lord, you probably uh, probably will never think of me the same way as before, but I drove that car without permission from Toyota. And I got a letter from Toyota saying, you don't have permission to drive this car anymore. The lease is up in this car. And I had already gone to the dealership, and I would already told them way before the deadline. I said, uh, my, my, this is coming up. I'm gonna ha- I, I need some help working on a car deal. Uh, I can't be without a car. Uh, I've got a teenager living with me now, and, and I've got to get him to work, uh, and I've got to get myself to work, uh, and if I don't go to work, I can't pay for another car, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, yeah, I know, Lord, there's Uber out there, but um, and, and there are taxis, and uh, there, there's all those kinds of things out there that, that, that it wouldn't have been impossible. I'm, I'm sure I could have called any one of y'all up and y'all would have been sitting in my parking lot at my apartment waiting to take me to work and, and wherever else I need to go. And I'm just kidding there. But it got to a point, uh, and I wasn't trying to steal that car. I honestly, I, I wasn't trying to steal that car. I wanted to get rid of it. I'm going to tell you, I would be at work, and the cashiers at work, we, we wear radios at work. I know I'm sharing too much information here, but I'm going to make a point here sooner or later. They would say, Kevin, you have a call on 9 Well, I knew exactly who it was. It was Toyota Finance. And, uh, and so I'd, I'd go answer the call, and I'd tell them, okay, hey, yeah, and they'd answer, ask me this. I guess they had some kind of little paper in front of them to ask this question, this question, and I was always polite to them, but I was always firm, and I'd say, look, I've already answered that question. I answered it 29 times before. Not really. I didn't say that, but I told them, well, I'm sorry. Yes, it's in our records, and I'm thinking in my mind, then if it's in your records that you've already asked me that question, and I've given you that answer, and you still, if the answer's still the same, then why do you need to ask me that question again? That's just unintelligent. <laughs> And another thing I couldn't figure out is I, I got this call near the end of my lease time, and the guy on there says to me, oh, I hope, well, I drive a Honda now. The guy on there says, uh, well, Mr. Vivio, he says, you need to call the dealership 
And uh, when they fix all that, then you need to call us back and tell us what the dealership has done. And I'm thinking in my mind, don't you guys talk? Your Toyota finances and you're, you're a, you're gullo Toyota. But why don't y'all talk to each other? No, we don't do that. I'm thinking, well, you've got all this. I, okay, forgive me. See, I told you you wouldn't think of me as the same in the same way. I thought, this is crazy. They can't talk, talk to each other and tell each other what's happening in, with my car. I'm getting to a point, I promise. And all this time, I was praying. I'd drive by that dealership on the way home. I'd say, God, you've got a car for me out there. God, you've got a car for me. And I know this sounds crazy. What, what's the big deal about a car? Well, a car is our life today. But we, I, 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 if, you, if you don't need your car, just go turn it in and see how you get to where you need to go and want to go and have to go and all that. When you want to go there and when you have to go there. And, and I know you're all thinking on the same page in this sense, but I, I needed a car. And, and I was at that point, I was willing to take any car. I just didn't want no secondhand Mary Kay car because I didn't want to drive a pink car. I even went and looked at this Lexus that was about 15 or 20 years old, and I'm thinking, if they'll just sell me that car right there, I'll be happy. And I guarantee you, um, it had really low pro tires on it and tinted windows, and it looked like it made it through the hood every Friday night to take care of business. But I was willing to take anything I could so that I could... So that I could make, I could get my boy to work, and I could get to work, and I could do the things that I needed to do. And so all this situation was going on, and the deadline came, and the end of end of July came, and I'm like, Lord, I I don't know what to do, but I kept driving by at Gullo and saying, Lord, you got a car out there for me. Just as simplistic as it may sound, I, I do that every time. Nearly, I drove by that that dealership. And so all this situation is, I'm like, I'm really getting, you know, this is really getting tight here, God. And, and I don't know what, uh, what you're going to do, but I'm sitting in my recliner one night, and the voice of the Lord came to me, and he said, whatever I do uh, uh, with the business of this car, I'm going to do in the rest of your life. And I'm like, what? And, and it, he didn't repeat himself. But the, the thought kept circulating in my mind for several days, for several weeks, because that's what was going on there. And, and God had told me, whatever I do in the business of your car here, I'm going to do in the rest of your life. And I'm thinking, God, you know what? I may, I've seen that light at the end of the tunnel, but every time I see that light at the end of the tunnel, it's not hope that I'm seeing. It's an oncoming train. It's, it's not been hope always. It's not always been encouraging, and there have been people who have been praying for me. And I, I think, I really believe that the revival that's come to this church uh, has come because you've been praying for me and my kids. Amen. But anyway, this situation uh, with this car rocked on, and it rocked on. And so one day, uh, I finally called, and I said, uh, can I come in there? Uh, I went to work. I was at work one day, and I, I have a good friend there, and he's an older man uh, uh, in his early 70s. And he, he's retired, and he's made a lot of money in his life. And um, he's just a good man. He, he, he's had businesses, and he's put a lot of money away. And uh, he said uh, he was asking me just how things were going, and and I just said, hey, Jack, his name's Jack Burns. And I said, Jack, I said, my car. He goes, what's going on with your car? 
I said, well, my car, this and that, and I explained a couple of things with him just in passing. He goes, where'd you buy your car? And I said, I got my car at Gullo Toyota. He goes, oh, no problem. And I'm like, what? He goes, that's no problem. I know Corky Gullo. He's my neighbor. I'll go have a word with him. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> I've got an advocate here. And uh, so I'm like, wow, this is really cool. And, uh, and I had uh, been in contact or semi-contact with uh, one of the business guys over there at the dealership. And I'm, I'm not, uh, in the end, it all turns out great, as we know. But all during this time, I'm just like, oh, God, what are you going to do here? Hey, you told me you were going to work this out. And the situation keeps, uh, it's not being worked out. And I'm getting upset with God because he ain't fixing it like I want it fixed. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there where you're thinking, God, you said you were going to do it, but you hadn't done it yet, so what's going on? You know, I'm just a poor little human being here, and I'm helpless, and I know you're the great and mighty God, and I know you have the power and the authority to fix it. I know all you got to do is speak the word, and it's going to get fixed just like that. But no, that's not always how it works. Sometimes we have to put trust in him. Sometimes he's te teaching us trust. Uh, he's teaching us not to lose faith. Uh, he's teaching us not to lose hope uh, in him. And so, sure enough, I'd, I'd been dealing with this situation, and sure enough, I get this email one day, uh, and I'm not going to name names, uh, but this gentleman over at the dealership, uh, he says, hi. And his name's Scott. And he says, hey. He says, I uh, hope you don't know him. Do you know him? He says, hey, he says, uh, uh, I can't remember how it went, uh, but he said, uh, hey, you know, uh, if, you, if you need my help, uh, just call me. Uh, uh, I want to get with you. I want to help you. Uh, and I noticed on the CC it said, Corky Gullo. And I thought, my friend Jack has been at work. And my friend God has been at work. And so I made a call, and I waited a couple of days, and I made another call, and that, I mean, this has been weeks as have been passing. And I wasn't going to tell everybody this tonight, what I'm telling you, but it's a testimony as to what God can do. And uh, so I get there. He says, sure, come in anytime you want to. So I go in there, and this was on a Wednesday. And I went in, in kind of the earlier part of the afternoon, you know, and, um, you know, I st had stuff to do that day, and I finally made it there after two or three o'clock, I finally got there, and and so I thought, well, this, it's going to be do or die, I've got to get this car there, or I'm going to walk outside my apartment one day, and there's going to be a big flatbed there, and uh, or maybe I'm not going to see that, and they're going to tug my little 50, 2015 Camry up there, and it's going to be gone, and I'm not going to have, I'm going to be walking, and uh, so I got the car there, and I sat there, and I'm sitting right there on the corner of that of that um, lobby there, and I'd asked for one of my friends, and you know, uh, Philip, but Philip didn't come to help me. It was somebody he else he sent, and so I'm sitting there on the corner, and about that time, two sheriff. Now I'm sitting there. I've been sitting there an hour and a half. I promise you, maybe longer. And two sheriffs drove up in their cars, and I'm thinking, oh God, something I didn't know, and all that fine print says that. If you don't bring it in in time, you're going to jail. <laughs> so 
So these guys get out, their car parked right there. I'm sitting there. The guy that I'm dealing with, the, the, the sales guy, he's gone. He's been gone for 30 minutes. And I, I mean, I'm 52 years old, but I, I still have an active imagination. <laughs> and I'm thinking, Lord, help. God, surely not. Surely not. This is not. Uh, and these guys pull up and. Sheriffs both at one, and they pull up behind each other, and they're facing out. And I'm thinking, they sent two guys after me. You know, <laughs> why not just one big deputy, you know, six foot six, 290 or whatever. And make it, oh, furthermore, I'm sitting there, and I look out there, and one deputy, he's standing. The other guy's got his back to me, standing outside the driver's side door. But that one deputy's standing there going like this, looking right at me. And I'm... Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> so I'm thinking maybe I need to just go to the bathroom right now, <laughs> just get out of sight. And, uh, and all this fear, I'm, I'm telling you this for a reason. I know it's a little bit humorous, but I want, you to, I want you to imagine with me. You've been right here, too, in other situations. And all this fear starts coming, and, and all this doubt starts coming. And the old enemy says, yeah, uh-huh, you see, uh, you, you see, uh, God's not going to help you right now. He, you, you don't deserve any help from God. And, and I had to agree with him on that. I didn't, uh, I didn't deserve uh, God's help. Uh, but then the spirit voice came to me again, uh, and he said, you, you just watch. Uh, I told you I was going to help you, and I'm going to help you. And then I looked, and them guys were gone, and I'm like, oh. Where'd they go? And I look out there, and there's a huge tundra sitting right there. Beautiful big truck, knobby tires. They're looking at that truck. They ain't even interested in me. <laughs> They're there to look at a truck on their lunch break. And then, then comes back. Uh, then, then the salesman comes back, and then Mr. Philip Sharp comes back, and they say, "Okay." Philip says, "Okay." And I'm naming names tonight. Some of you know these, these people probably. I got something for you. Maybe you'd be interested in a used car. And I'm thinking, wow, what kind of used car are we talking about here? And I'm not, too, I'm not being a uh, beggar. Can't be choosy. And I, I knew that, that, that I, I, I was just in a bad, tough situation. But the Spirit of the Lord had already spoke to me, and he already comforted me and says, you, you just watch. I'm... I'm already doing it. What you thought I wasn't going to do, I've done it. And they took me out. to. They said, come with us. And we walked. And we got to walking. And I'm thinking, the car, I'm thinking that they're talking about is way down there because it was the one I mentioned, that ghetto-looking car. And I'm thinking, maybe it's one of them cars down there. No, 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 no. We stopped at a car I'm driving. And Philip's saying, I'm so sorry. He apologized to me. He says, I, I, I can't do any better than this. And I'm thinking, well, I'm glad you don't can't do any better because this is a beautiful car, and I'm, I'm just so thankful. I can't tell these men that are not spiritually minded, really, that, that, that my God had just worked a miracle in my life. He just worked something out, something that I was so distressed over and so worried about. God just worked it out. And so the longs and short of it, I, they, uh, they get me this car. Uh, my car knows way, way cheaper than it 
it was. Uh, uh, they had to stretch it out a little bit. Uh, Philip said, don't worry about it. Uh, he said, just drive it two or three years or so. Uh, get everything, get your business in hand, uh, and come back, and we'll give you a deal on a, on a new car somewhere down the line. So there, uh, all that problem and all that situation uh, that, uh, uh, that Brother V was worried about, I had no need, no, no reason to worry uh, because my God had it under control. He had it under control that whole time that I was worrying and, and fretting. And was I a man of faith at that time? No, I was not. I'd like to tell you here, yes, I believe God, and uh, I had faith in God that he would come through, and I just knew that he would, uh, he would do this miracle. I did not know that. I had my doubts, uh, and I fretted, uh, and I worried, uh, and, and I prayed, uh, and I don't know, that's almost an oxymoron to pray and, and worry at the same time, uh, but we all do it. Uh, but all that time, uh, God said, had already told me, uh, when you, when I work this situation out uh, with, my, with your car, uh, it's just going to be the first step uh, to what I'm going to do uh, in the rest of your life. Uh, so I'm here to tell you tonight, uh, amen, God, uh, when he said, he will work it out. Uh, he will work it out. When he says he will see you through, uh, he will see you through. Uh, when he says he will heal you, uh, he will heal you. Uh, and when he says, uh, I will save you, uh, he will save you. He never fails. Amen. Please stand tonight in the building. Amen. I, I just wanted to... Uh, I just wanted tonight to share with you, amen, what God can do in your life. Uh, and so, not always, uh, it's not always what we do. Uh, it's not always because we have an ability to do something. Uh, our pastor uh, has preached it. Uh, Brother Trent uh, and Sister Kayla have preached and exemplified it. Uh, other men, men of God and women of God uh, have told this church uh, that God's got great things uh, at hand uh, in store for this church. Uh, amen. And it's time. For us to believe that God, whatever He says, He will do it. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I wish I could say uh, tonight that I've always had faith uh, in God uh, and that I've always uh, stood uh, on the promises of the Word of God. Uh, I wish tonight that I could say uh, that I've always been faithful uh, and that I've always done everything right, uh, but I can't say that. Uh, but God has always been faithful to me. Uh, amen. He's done more in my life uh, than I'll ever deserve. Uh, he, he's done more uh, in, with my children uh, and with my finances uh, and with issues in my life uh, that I will ever be able or you will ever be able to deserve. Amen. Because he's a God of his word. Uh, and when he speaks, uh, it does not matter uh, if your situation uh, looks dark uh, and bleak. Uh, it doesn't matter if your life is empty uh, and there is darkness uh, and distress in your life. Uh, when God speaks uh, into your life and my life, uh, things will happen. Amen. Uh, God bless you tonight. And I, I know it's 837, and uh, I've been long-winded tonight. And if your pastor was here, you'd already been talking about where to go and get coffee. Amen. God bless you tonight, Brother Trent. Thank, thank you, everybody, for being here tonight. There's no one more real than Kevin Vivio. And we can sit around and chuckle at the story that he just told us. But every one of us have been in a situation. If it wasn't that situation, it was the situation that was just as real like that. 
And I'm thankful that God will bring us through. When he speaks, the winds obey. When he speaks, the waves for the children of Israel roll back. The tide didn't matter. Whatever the lunar pattern was, it didn't matter. That Red Sea opened and the children of Israel walked through on dry ground. And I'm thankful that he parts the impossible situations in front of his children in 2018. I'm thankful for that. Amen. Go out of here and have a great week. Be encouraged. I'm encouraged. And if you hear this sermon again in a Christmas banquet skit, just thank Brother Vivio. Amen. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. We, we even have the police officer for the skit. Uh, we got it all lined up. So those that weren't here tonight to hear the sermon, they're going to hear the sermon again at Christmas time. Bless God. Have a good week, everybody. We love you. God bless you. Be safe and be blessed in Jesus' name.